to the But Here We Go podcast, coming at you from But Here We Go Studios in Dallas, Texas. I don't know why, but every time you say that, I just think that you're going to say in sunny California. Is that from like a show or something that we're probably? Like, I feel like that's familiar. It's probably yeah. When people say sunny California, it, it sounds like it's something from from the sunny California <laughs> Hollywood from a typical morning show or something. Right, right, right. But I'm not going to say that because we are not recording from California. We could have recorded from California a few weeks ago. We're all about transparency. Yeah. We're not going to lie to you. We're here. We're real. Did you know there's this new app? I saw it on... Be Real? Yeah. I saw it on The Morning Brew. So you probably also you saw something it. something even funnier? What? You downloaded it. I heard it. our cousins talking about it. Really? Before what? I saw it in The Brew. So I was in the know before the brew was in the know. Boom. Well, but feel free to explain. Let's, let's also say there are quite a few people who have already downloaded it, which is why it even got into the brew in the first place. Right, right, right. But be real is this app where you are sent a notification to take a picture of whatever you are doing at that time. You have, I think two minutes to post a photo and it is a photo that that you take in those two minutes i'm downloading it right now i have no idea what the what the filtering or what kind of touch-ups you can do i don't think you can do anything i think it's just like you're supposed to take a picture of your face and then take a picture of like what's in front of you and you post both and the whole idea is you're showing your followers exactly what you are doing and it's at random times so that it is that it is more real. It is showing real life, not touched up, filtered. This is what I'm doing right now. Now, there's a few things to this that I think are really cool. The first part of it is that it would it would be something that you can do with friends and you can feel closer to them. And the thing I like about it is that you have to post in order to be able to see everybody else's right. posts. So it forces you to interact. The other thing that I think it would, well, the thing that I like about it, that I think would be a little bit of a shock to current social media, is that if you're an influencer, it would force you to show what you are doing on a daily basis. And what you're doing kind of at odd hours on a daily basis. So you can't go on one trip. Oh my gosh, hold on. I have to take a picture. (laughs) What? I signed up for it and it says... (laughs) You have to take a picture? I'm taking a picture of you. Be real. I know. Be real, folks. Be real. (laughs) I didn't realize it was taking a picture of me at the same... Like it takes like a selfie photo at the same time. And then I'm taking a picture of my surroundings. Wow. And <laughs> let's just say I look completely unrepaired. You're like, oh. Or un- sorry, unprepared, not unrepaired. Good, good. Okay, I'm uploading to Be Real. That's Guys, great. I'm Allie Batir on Be Real. I'm just going to, it says, add a comment. Am I doing this right? Question mark. Send. Also, like it said, like, hey, like, here, there's just like five people I know, and this is not even that popular. Good. I'm going to join it soon. Okay. I have already downloaded it. I just haven't created a I haven't created a, a an account yet. So oh I'll be gosh. doing that soon. 
So funny. But anyway, so I think it's cool from that regard. The thing about influencers though, I have looked through people's Instagrams and not only have I seen the same picture, maybe every 30 pictures, there's all of a sudden a repeat. So you can't do that. You can't reuse that that media that you took from that one trip to <laughs> to uh, the Turks and Caicos or to the whatever that fancy white village is in Greece. Apparently, you like go there, you take five hundred photos, and then you use that. You like disperse for them years. for like five years, right? Yeah, you can't do that anymore. So this is going to show just what influencer life really is. And I think it's gonna it's gonna help create more authentic relationships, but also I think it's gonna it could change what influencer what influencing looks like if it if it ends up having influencers. Right. And I have mixed feelings about influencers. Um am I an influencer? Apparently this very small micro advertising agency thinks so since they keep giving me things to, to <laughs> advertise for them. But I, I mean, how many studies have been done now on like the dangers of social media and its negative effects, especially many, on like girls many. and young girls. And I feel like influencing from what I've seen in order to be like a successful social media influencer, you have to Photoshop your pictures. Like you have to like model it out and make it very unrealistic, which just reinforces all the negative stats that we're now seeing coming out. And so like, is that really, is there not just better ways to sell product? I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm conflicted about the whole thing, but I will gladly take, you know, uh, what is, what's some of this thing, you know, free soccer game tickets to go to a soccer game, but, or but also I'm not, I'm not a model. I'm not Photoshopping. I'm, we're just, you know, this is again, be real. <laughs> I'm giving it, real photos of us using these products. And then I would say there's almost a, a second layer to be real and to what you could do as an influencer on that, because it is so, I, I, I would say it's at random when you get to post and when you are posting things because of that, it really has to be something that you are living out as a lifestyle. Right, right, right. So something like a Lululemon brand ambassador who is always wearing Lululemon, that is something that is very easy to do on an app like be real. Whereas doing something called a micro drive and going to a soccer game we were at that for what three hours at most so there is a three out of 24 odd so three out of 24 odds that you're actually going to get the opportunity to post about the soccer game it's really more of a lifestyle that you get to show and represent not a specific item or a specific product or a specific thing. If someone figures out how to be an influencer on the speed reel app, I'll like that. That's, we got to move to the middle of nowhere. Like that to me will prove like the downfall of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, I think it would be, it will show who you are. And if you are like, if there is something that is uniquely or, or all encompassing you, like a brand or like a or like you're you literally are always outside or something like van life 
and you live in a van, well, yeah, that that's going to show up. But how often is that picture going to be you sitting on your tailgate cooking on a Coleman stove versus you but this is the thing. doing something fancy? It's going to give me a reminder. And I, no matter what I'm doing, I have to post within two minutes or not only do I not get to post, but I also don't get to see anybody else's thing. Yeah. So how, unless it's like on the dot and you have like a running alarm on your phone, like you, it, that would be incredibly difficult to like stage an advertisement oh, yeah. or like even to make it remotely yeah. look nice. Yep. But this did make me remember that in college I had the idea which I never actually followed through with, but to have like a, like a national ugly photo day on Facebook to where mm. everybody has to post a picture of themselves that they think is ugly. And my hypothesis was that the majority of your friends would not think that photo was ugly, mm. but because we are one, like one, we're very, um, hard on ourselves, yep. but two, we're so used to like these unrealistic images on social media that we or just in media in general that we have very high standards of beauty but then i was like that would be cool though because i feel like a lot of people would realize like hey like i am unbelievably hard on myself yep, yep. but i never follow through with it so it's let's okay. do it let's start national ugly photo day yeah I have we could tons do that of them. we could do that and now we could do it on instagram boom did you ever put a giraffe on your on your profile po- photo a giraffe? Yeah, there was some about having a giraffe as your profile picture on Facebook. Why? I never like like the I emoji where the iPhones will turn your head to a giraffe. Oh no 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 no! This was back in like twenty. Oh, like an actual like safari giraffe. something. Yeah. I giraffe don't know photo. what this is. This I think was. This was definitely pre ice bucket challenge, but I think it was something <laughs> like that. Like it was a social media movement to raise awareness about something giraffes hopefully i would assume something related to giraffes maybe it's like saving the safari or saving the sahara or saving africa i don't know right right, right. i don't know but anywho happy earth day yeah happy earth day speaking of giraffes Earth day was yesterday We were Earth Day Texas, or I guess I call it Earth Day Texas. It's Earth X. It started as Earth Day Texas. And did they just rebrand? The company... I guess it's not just Texas anymore. The company rebranded into Earth X, and now what happens at Earth X, which is the... There is the Earth X, which is an Earth Day celebration, which is this big, large thing that has this big, huge expo hall, lots of cool stuff, lots of fun things to learn about what individuals, what companies, what organizations are doing to be more environmentally friendly. But then there's also the conference of conferences. So there I was I was partaking in the EarthX Energy Conference. They also had EarthX Island. What's EarthX, it? What's Island? They had another one, EarthX Farm and Agriculture. And also Earth X Law. Basically. It sounds like like the Sims, how the Sims have like Sims Ant and Sims Farm and Sims City and Sims whatever. Yeah. So this is kind of like they're all the same thing. They're basically just a conference surrounding Earth Day and conservationism. But it is specifically focused. So Earth X Island 
was all things related to island communities. Wow. So there was an entire rugby team that is a nonprofit rugby team. All of the money they raise goes to conservation. And they're they're in I they are a Pacific Islander uh rugby team. I I don't know which one. That's funny to me that a Pacific Islander rugby team came to an island conference in Dallas, Texas. It is it is odd that this is the largest Earth Day celebration in the world. And this is one of the largest gatherings of these people and policymakers and decision makers and and people, really the grassroots organizations that are boots on the ground making things happen. So like on Friday, there was... Um, I think Senator Dan Crenshaw, or maybe Representative, I, I forget. Wait, he's not from Texas, is that right? I don't Dan even remember. Crenshaw. Let me look at it. So he was speaking at EarthX Energy. The, the yeah, it's lunch... an eye patch guy. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to fit. Oh, he's from Texas. Y'all, I had no idea. Did you know he was born in the UK? Anyway, continue. So he was speaking. And then the the only Ukrainian representative in Congress also spoke. She was the keynote luncheon speaker. Wow. And she was talking about just originally she was on to, to talk about generally. Because she was slated before the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I think conflict. she was. She was slated before that. But. Then she kind of shifted what she was talking about into not only the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, but how that specifically is causing other other issues, not only environmental issues, but also just um, humanitarian issues. Mm. And I think that's something to, to point out when we're talking about Earth Day. One of the big ideas with Earth Day, you're trying to save the Earth. But why are we trying to save the earth? We're trying to save the earth so that we can save humanity, right? Right. Like the earth is going to be fine, but if we don't save it in what we think it needs, really what we're saying is what we know we can survive in, then we're the ones at risk. Right. And I think what's really important uh, and I don't know if this is just like an advertising flaw on be- on behalf of like activists, but like someone like me coming from a environment that was on the in the camp of like climate change is made up. Uh, whenever I heard stuff like that, I thought like I didn't quite understand. Like I literally thought like, oh, they're just saying we're all going to die. There's literally no way that could happen. They're blowing this out of proportion. And then I just, you know, wrote everything off and moved on. But as I've learned, obviously, Mary, you helped uh, open my eyes to a lot of this stuff. And just as more research has come out and stuff, I think it's helpful to explain what that actually means. And I feel like the climate change report that just came out did that well. And then we were listening to a podcast earlier today and I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, it was a biologist podcast that interviewed, um, this guy. I feel like he was a journalist. I don't even think he was a scientist, but he is the guy who wrote the first book sounding the alarm about climate, 
climate change in the 80s. And he was kind of breaking it down on the podcast. But essentially, like, what that means, the Earth is warming. We know that. And we know that humans are the bulk of the cause. And what that's going to look like over the next like what the, the big number is 2060. So how many years from now is that's like 30 years? No. 2050. 2050. So what is it? That's 25 that's years from now? That's about 30 years. 30 years. Okay. Is rising sea levels are going to displace a lot of people. Mm-hmm. For one, the temperature, we're going to have drought. So water scarcity is going to be a big deal. You're going to have even freakishly worse storms. And so I think the, the term he used on the podcast was like climate refugees and essentially like, and if you're listening to this and you're from Texas, which the majority of y'all are, we have, we've had really bad hurricanes in the last decade and they've been getting worse. And those hurricanes are going to continue to be like cat four, cat five and above or even worse. And that is going to cause major issues for people who live in floodplains or lived already in impoverished communities or just even normal people who got flooded. And then you have situations where we had like the freeze two years ago, where the entire state of Texas was having an energy crisis because of a freak winter that is going to continue to happen. And so it's these types of things that like, it's not going to wipe out the human race, but it's going to create situations, it's going to make it extremely difficult for people to financially recuperate from that stuff. And it's going to displace a lot of people. And so I think it's important that like, instead of using broad generalities and like fear mongering, like obviously like this is important. And like, I never, I fear is never the answer, but like we, we need to be honest about what's happening. I just think it's more helpful to the, like a layman like me to have it actually explained and like, Hey, like what are the actual concerns? Cause when you just overgeneralize, like, you know, it's going to be bad news. Like that means absolutely nothing to us. And I think there's a few different things to what you're saying. As you're talking about climate refugees and things like rising sea levels, that is exactly why earth X Island was a was a section of the conference of conferences because those are the people who are already seeing those impacts. Right. So they're the ones who need to be sounding that alarm and saying we we have lost X number of feet of of ground. We are an island that the highest point is twenty feet above sea level. According to current standards, we're gonna totally be underwater in 30 years or whatever that looks like. So having them come to a place like Dallas, while we're not going to be underwater, even if all of the ice melts, we need to hear that from the people who are going to be. Right. We live in a world that's very connected now. And so like, again, like to reiterate what you're saying, we may not see certain things where we are, but there are, I mean, entire islands could be wiped out essentially. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's a an important aspect and that's that's why it is it was exciting to see everybody coming together and and having these conversations and hearing all of the different aspects of it. So one thing as as people are thinking about this from say the like okay, somebody who hasn't heard these stories or hasn't experienced these in a firsthand relationship if you think about the city of Houston that has all of these bayous running through it that will flood on average one to three times a year, 
if there's a pretty bad hurricane, a lot of the city is flooded. When you think about climate change, any of those spots that are flooding during hurricanes, those are all going to be underwater as the oceans rise and as we are losing shoreline much of Houston will ultimately end up underwater. And that's why I think it's so important that people start grappling with this because, and we've talked about this before when we talked like about recycling and stuff. Like when you, if you are in a situation of privilege, like it's our responsibility to help those who are less privileged than we are and are in vulnerable positions because the people who live in floodplains are essentially people in poverty because those pieces of real estate are super, super cheap because they're in floodplains. And those, so the displacement and the major effects of climate change are going to affect poor and minority populations. And that's just un- like that. That's just fact. And so yep. we can't just sit back and allow this to continue simply because it doesn't happen to me. Like we're called to look out for those like the least of these and the most vulnerable people and do something about it. Yep. That is true. But I will say this, um, and I love going every year. This is the first year um, that it's been back since COVID. It is a very encouraging atmosphere. Like, I feel like whenever I go, it is not doom and gloom. It's very much like, look, these are like excitement. These are all the awesome things that we're doing to help. These are like the very creative industries that we have or applications that we have to do this and that and that. And so I just always love going just to learn and see like, hey, like people are doing stuff about this. People are excited about this. There is a way to do something about this. And again, it's like not no need to be because I honestly, I feel like a lot of people who aren't as knowledgeable about this topic, they think, oh, well, this is such a big problem. I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to, you know, keep living my life and then it is what it is, Mm -hmm. but there are little things that we can do about it. And like, people are really making great changes. Yep. On that note, I've got a few questions. As you said, we haven't done, we haven't had an earth day since COVID. This is the first one where it's been back. This is also the first time that it has been in the KM Bailey Hutchinson. K Bay. I I don't know. K Bailey Hutchinson. The K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Convention Center Center in downtown Dallas. So there's been a lot of changes. With that, what I've got three three questions. What were you most surprised by? What were you? What is the most? Well, I guess they're kind of similar. So what were you most surprised by? What were you kind of? upset that were who who did you want to see there that you didn't see say from previous years or from or just in general like say you wanted to hear more from what did I feel like was missing what did you feel like was missing and let's let's start with those two to start so what was most surprising and exciting and then what did you feel like was missing right whether it's a company or whatever. Right. Great question. Thank you so much for asking. Um, number one, the thing that I thought was so interesting was we ran into, which is so funny because we found out later that our stepsister works for this company and we had no idea. (laughs) We're idiots. Um, we like stumble, or I guess I stumbled upon the organics with an X at the end 
Booth, which is owned by Denali, which our stepsister works for on Colorado. But they um, have contracts with Target, Kroger, and Walmart of all places. And those stores give them all of their produce and like baked goods that they can't sell. And it gets turned in, it's either composted and turned into like fertilizer and stuff, or it gets turned into food for animals. That was so encouraging to me because I always walk into those big boxes and think, oh my gosh, all this food is like going to waste. Cause you hear about those stories about how like they have to throw it away. Yep. And so to hear that, like, not only are, are they doing this, but they have been doing this for a while was super encouraging, especially for Walmart, because I feel like Walmart gets a really bad rep about just the state of what they do. So I was like, way to go, Walmart. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing, because those places are everywhere, especially in rural communities and impoverished communities. And so, like, they that's fantastic. Yeah. So I was really encouraged by that. The thing that I thought was missing was not anything that they've ever had before, to my knowledge. But what I thought they were missing is that they had no booth, no person that was a person of faith present. And I have been doing a lot of research and reading about eco-theology a lot lately. And not only was that guy that we just talked about who was on that podcast who sounded the alarm, he's a Christian, but Mm -hmm. there are tons of climate science. I mean, you are a geologist, you are a Christian. There are tons of scientists who are believers and of other faiths who care about this stuff and are on the forefront of like what's going to help fix the problem that I think it would be really cool to have somebody present at Earth X because I know that traditionally speaking, religious communities are kind of like there's one, there's a gap between science and religious communities, Mm -hmm. but I think there's possibly even a bigger gap between climate change and religious communities, or at least historically Mm -hmm. speaking. And I think if, because you any there's so many random people go to EarthX because it's a free event, right? So they get a bunch of random people. Like you don't even. I feel like some people just stumble in there because yeah. they had nothing to do that yeah. weekend, right? And I think it would be really cool to have somebody there or like a booth that was like, "Hey, like I am a Christian. We care about these things. This is theology to help you process these things. You don't have to be scared, and you can do something. And like we're here to help you process this. I just think that that would be really helpful." Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And as you pointed out, very exciting and very cool that companies like Walmart and Target and Kroger are are putting their their wasted food to good use because that is it's one of those things that there've been companies that have fully been started because of the food waste problem right. in the US. And, and to hear about that company that organics that is composting all of that excess food and at least finding something to do with it. I think that's really important. For me, I came across this, this company and just saw people walking up, like holding a bottle, like a water bottle. And as you walk up, it has a screen above these trash bins and it lights up. It like flashes, gets your, gets your attention and then says, throw that away in the recycling or throw that away in the compost or throw that away in the waste. So from my recollection or what I think is happening is they've got a machine, like a camera that is seeing what you have in your hand that you're about to throw out and it tells you where to put it. 
is this, do people not understand how to recycle? Like, I don't, I don't understand why this is a needed technology. That's a, that's a great question. And I think the answer is yes, people do not understand how to recycle. Or is it just like they're unwilling to recycle? No, no. It is that you really don't know. So if you're walking up and say you've got a glass bottle, where are you going to put that? Don't you just put it in the thing? Well, I, here's my thing. Cause even at earth X, there were two trash options, trash or a blue container that said bottles and cans only. And I had a plastic wrapper and I stood there for far too long and was like, I want to recycle this wrapper, but it does not fit either of these options. And wouldn't it have been great to have a screen tell you what to do with that wrapper? Or something that doesn't say bottles and glass or bottles and cans only. Well, I think that, so to your point, the, the bottles and cans, that is one specific type of recycling. They were looking for aluminums and plastic bottles because that can go to a specific processing facility. Glass bottles in, for example, at SMU, where we both went to school, they do not recycle glass because of the contracts that they have simply do not accept glass through the recycling. And they can't get another contract to do glass? I'm not going to (laughs) guess on that. Maybe they could, but you're not supposed to throw glass into the recycling containers at SMU. Whereas here, we being in Dallas County, in the city of Dallas, we put glass in the recycling all the time. Right. So if you're at a football game, if I didn't go to SMU, I would just assume I'm going to go recycle my glass. But that would be the wrong answer. So if you've got a screen telling you, hey, you've got a glass bottle, throw that in the trash, then you're probably going to listen to the screen. Right, and, right, and right. The, the important part here is that by reducing that cross-contamination, you are making the recycling more valuable. How much would this cost for a store to have this technology? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But What's the barrier to entry here? I think the barrier to entry is just that it's not on the market yet. Right, right, right. I feel like this is something that everybody is going to have. And I think it, so they said that this is geared more towards sporting venues. So this will be at AT AT&T Stadium or, or the place where FC Dallas plays. But the other aspect is as you, before you're walking up, that screen is all advertising. So yeah, there's, there's all this extra advertising in our lives. Maybe we want to cut Back on advertising, I don't know. Some people say we need more advertising, but that is one way to make it so that this machine not only is making your recycling process and really your waste process better, it is also adding more space for ad revenue. So that's a way that you maybe incentivize it. It incentivizes it, and maybe that makes it cheaper so that that barrier to entry is is really very low. So right, that way, right. everybody has a better way to 
process their waste. Right. And what we learned from um, Earth X is like a lot of these big, like Coca-Cola had a booth there and which was funny because I was like, hey, like I had some questions and he literally was like the director of sustainability. He was was just like hanging out there. It was just him (laughs) with a thing With a cooler of of Diet Cokes that he would not give me. I was so mad. I was like, really the only reason why I came over here is because I wanted a Diet Coke. But anyway, um, Coca-Cola is doing so much, like so, so, so much. Um, So that was, again, encouraging. Like these, there are, there are really big companies doing a lot of good things. Like they've recognized that they are the ones who contribute a lot to this. Cause I feel like a lot of like the common complaint, which is a valid complaint is like, Hey, like what I'm one person, whatever I do is not truly going to matter because these big corporations are the ones that produce the most pollution. Yep. And so you're not wrong. And obviously there, we have a long way to go, but big companies are taking notice and yeah. and I do think and this could just be me making an assumption. I think public pressure has played a lot into that. Yeah. So when you do make those small changes as an individual, like it does start affecting companies because they see that their clients and customers actually are concerned about yeah. this. And I think that that is what I thought was missing the most from oh, EarthX. Yeah? So you pointed out Companies like Coca-Cola, UPS was also there. I I think... Dart. Dart was there. Maybe waste management was not there. It was a similar... It's like community it waste. It's like another yeah, trash company. Yeah, there was another company. trash company. But the one thing that I didn't see... So when, I, when I'm thinking about this, there's the producers of energy, that being oil and gas companies right. and power companies. Then you've got kind of the users... That falls kind of into scope two emissions. We won't get into scope one, two, and three CO2 emissions, but starting to get more to the consumer level and the people selling products to consumers, those were the people that I saw at EarthX. I didn't see the people that are higher up, the ones that are producing energy, people like oil and gas companies. And I remember before COVID, I remember that there was a whole a whole energy pavilion and there was this really, really cool demonstration or, or kind of infographic moving. uh, It was, it was kind of like a moving video that was all on, on a diorama type thing. I'm, I'm not doing a great job of explaining it, but basically it was, it was this, this company Oxy, and they were showing how they are not doing. Not to be confused with the drug. Not to be confused with the drugs. Got this it. is this is a oil and gas oil company. and gas company. And Oxy was showing how they are using carbon, CO two to to do enhanced oil recovery. So this is part of the carbon capture and utilization of that carbon. And they were showing that process not only to produce more oil but how that process ultimately traps carbon and sequesters it in the ground. And that is something that I think is was missing this year are those people who are producing the energy for consumers, actually having them there talking about it. Do you have a, a hypothesis as to why they weren't there? Oh, I do. What, I do have a would hypothesis. Would you care to share it? I think that... Yeah, I think it was 
to put it bluntly, I think it was COVID. And I think that ultimately what happened is that Earth X was, I don't think that they had enough lead time and enough planning Hmm. to know if they were even going to have a conference. Oh, dang. Because, I mean, I gave a talk and my talk wasn't finalized until a week and a half before. Hmm. In fact, I gave my slides three days before Hmm. I was going and speaking. So I think there was plenty of people there that didn't have a lead time. There were a lot of people there and there was a, the entire floor was filled pretty much. Oh no, it was packed. But I, I do distinctly remember before COVID it was significantly larger. There were, there were multiple car companies giving giving a there was a there There's was a also, whole I didn't see tiny the tiny houses were here the this tiny year. houses weren't there there was an entire like eco-friendly car section before right. and this year they had two different companies that are both EV companies electric vehicle companies there was an entire energy corridor with people like Oxy with people like Chevron and I think Shell was there too and all Everybody and their mom with solar companies and wind companies, places where you could go buy your own solar panels and and windmills. But I didn't see any of that really this year. I'm curious, and you were there far longer than I was, but I was there for a while. I'm curious to know if we were missing a section because I went to one of the booths and they had, I think it was half price books, and they had like a scavenger hunt that the kids could do or someone mm. could do. And on the scavenger hunt, it said, take a picture of a tiny house. And huh. I looked around, I was like, where is this tiny house to take a picture? So yeah. I'm wondering, because there was some, there was like a goat yoga situation happening outside that I never even saw. Yeah. And I think that is something that that may have been stuff that was happening on the weekend. And we went on Friday. So there may have been, there were outdoor activities, I think, that were occurring on Saturday. There was supposed to be a whole concert series. I'm also wondering, too, if the location played a lot into that. Because in years past, it's been at Fair Park, which I'm only assuming is cheaper. And it's easy to do it. You you put all the cars right. where you have the car show during the fair. Right. You put all the energy people in their own building. Well, and you can afford to, I mean, not that they're paying people to be there, but you just have a bigger budget yeah. at Fair Park than a convention center, which I'm sure costs them more money. That could be it. So I'm wondering if, or even they may just have had less space and so they had to cut people. Yeah. But this is my theory, and this is purely based on this podcast we were listening to, is that... I think that we've all caught on to the fact that that they are the problems and they just didn't want to show their face, Joe. Well, no, because I think that I don't think that that's the case. I think that they didn't have enough lead time and didn't know for sure if they were going to be there. And to your point, I took part in the EarthX Energy Conference of the conferences the people who did talk, who were coming from oil and gas, were were very much defensive, saying, without oil and gas, we're all going to die. Dang. It's basically what they said. So they were... <laughs> That's very I mean, fear-mongery. Is, that is a... Over-exaggeration. That might be hyperbole, but they basically said, we, we can't go away. We need to figure out... They're in like self-preservation need, mode. Yeah, they were, ba- they were on, on their heels saying... 
remember the majority of everything comes from oil and gas. Many of the products you use today requires oil and gas. Well, the, but what is their what is their way to fix the problem? They're just like, well, tough luck. We have we no, can't we have no, to move they, on because we 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 survived without the oil and gas. Yeah, industry. but they basically said, "Here's all this stuff for modern life. We need this, so we are continuing to get cleaner." We're, we're being better. We're being more efficient. We're getting more oil and gas out of each well. We're reducing our emissions. So we're getting cleaner. But remember that, that this stuff does need to be here. So we don't want to, we can't just shut off all the wells. So it was a, it was a, it was a weird and this is typically what happens in the oil and gas industry is that the first and foremost thing that is done is reminding everybody that modern life is only capable because of oil and gas, which is completely true. But then then they, they say something that is a non-committal statement saying, we love the environment, we love being clean, and we are committed to cleaning up our production or being more efficient with our production so that we can continue to, to make society possible while also reducing our impact. I hear what you're saying, and I hear what they're saying, but I also call BS because I just... Will, will society have to change of course, obviously, society is constantly changing. Like if you look at world history, society ebbs and flows and it always looks different. And so to say that modern society only exists because of us, modern society may only exist right now because of them, but we're a very creative species. Like I'm sure we can figure out other ways to have quote unquote modern society or modern society may need to adapt, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. On the podcast we were listening today, the guy was saying that the reason why climate change got popular in the 80s was because that was the first time where we had the, the computing power to run these models to show what was actually going to happen. So this has been happening for a very, very long time, but we did not have the capacity to forecast it. But what they found was... The oil and gas companies, because they had a lot of money and had the best scientists, they knew before the public did that this is what was going to happen. They knew what the temperatures were going to be in 2020. Exact quote from the podcast. And so I think when I hear stuff like that from oil and gas companies today, it upsets me because they saw this coming decades ago and they chose to do nothing about it. Again, it's self-preservation. Like, are you more concerned about making money or are you more concerned about humanity continuing on? Because to their point, modern society is important and I enjoy living in a modern society. But if we truly are going to have these situ these scenarios in the future with climate refugees and earth like earthquakes and hurricanes and forest fires like we've been seeing, that ends modern society as well. To play devil's advocate, I, they're not doing nothing. But to make that argument, I feel like is dumb because the alternative is the same thing. 
I think I see what you're saying with with basically saying that as as we go down that rabbit hole of increased temperature and higher variability and higher or or larger um what what's the word I'm looking for having having storms that are more frequent and and more devastating and and larger amounts of damage those are ultimately a a risk to those are risk obviously to society and to humanity and i mean to put it bluntly that that removes potential consumers right which ultimately removes people and demand for any product whether that is the gasoline for a car or whether that is tech t-shirts so that you have clothes to wear right like both I, of which come from oil and gas right so i think it is a i hear your point that thinking about it from that regard of let's just sell as much oil as possible until until there's no more to be sold that that leads us down the same path of ultimately no more oil and gas industry. Well, and to your point, this is a question for you, the geologist, because I, again, yep. I'm not well educated in a lot of topics. We will eventually run out of fossil fuels, correct? Not necessarily. Okay, then why do people keep saying that? People keep saying that because there there was this this idea and now I'm not going to remember exactly what it's called, but the idea that we were, that we hit the, and had found all of the oil available. And then we started to decline in oil production. And so we hit the, the maximum amount of oil that we were ever going to produce. But the, that argument is a little, it's, it's not, a complete argument because that doesn't bring in all of the new knowledge and all of the new ideas and all of the new resources that are being found. And it doesn't bring in supply and demand. So there's a lot of oil that we know of, and there's a lot of resources, hydrocarbon resources that we, some that we theorize are there, and some that we physically know are there that are just either not commercially viable to produce right now, or we don't technically know how to produce them right now. So there's a lot of hydrocarbons, and it is a matter of getting to the point where it makes sense to produce them. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is, just speaking as a business... Yep. The best businesses adapt. And if I owned an oil and gas company, and I know some of them are doing this to a degree, I would be buying up every electric car company or every alternative energy, whatever, keeping it a part of my portfolio and then phasing out. You know what I mean? Like if you're in it to make money, which is what it sounds like, honestly, and that's just maybe me being cynical, find ways to adapt because ultimately, hopefully, the consumer will demand that anyway. Yep. And so it's like, 
And even you, because you gave your talk um, at EarthX, and you even mentioned the cities of Midland and Odessa in Texas. And I hadn't even thought about it before. Those are those literally those cities only exist because of the oil and gas industry, essentially. Right. Pretty much. So if oil and gas is gone, those cities basically die out. And that's a true problem. Like that, that yep. is not, a, that's not nice. Like some of those people have been there for generations and generations. So like, I sympathize with that. I'm sure that there is a creative way to keep that town from dying. Yep. If oil and gas is removed, you know what I mean? I just feel like people are not willing to think outside of the box, but you see that across world history. It's like, Yep. Humanity has always adapted. Like that's what makes us so awesome that the Lord gave us the ability to continue to survive and adapt and figure stuff out. And we've had issues before. And I feel like they're the oil and gas companies are just sticking their heads in the sand, even though and I think this is what makes me so mad is they're the ones that are the biggest culprits of this. And that's what makes me so upset because they're like, Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. You can't live without us. It's like if we can't live without you, then we're screwed because then that I mean that uh, we're now climate refugees, you know, it's like, OK, like that just seems like they're like, oh, well, Earth is over. <laughs> we, sorry. You, we, we've gotten ourselves into a situation where humanity cannot survive with certain modern luxuries that we are now killing ourselves. To paraphrase what you're saying is you are frustrated that there are these large corporations that are putting profits before people for sure and and to that point i think that 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 is a a completely understandable and and completely agreeable stance and i would say that that the people who and the companies who are the ones that are that are making oil and gas their hill and saying this is what we're going to do and we're going to do this until we are until oil is no more those are the ones who who are either looking at this as a short-sighted business and they're saying well if oil and gas is over in 10 years we've had a good run if it's over in 20 years we'll have a slightly better run but we have no intention of, of changing our business model. We will gladly go the way of the horse-drawn carriage and die out when there's this new technology. So there are companies like that. And they are, for name better or names, worse, Joe, name names. for better or worse, they that is who they are and what they're going to do. There are companies, and I think it, I think it was... Well, I, I forget which company, but there have been companies that have have publicly stated that they they have 30% of their R&D budget or 30% of their annual investment budget going into renewables. And this is one of the super majors. I forget which one, so I'm not going to name names. But they are heavily investing into renewables and into alternative energy. Well, I feel like history will just say that they will come out on top. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, they So the other it just it doesn't make business sense to me at this point. But so here's the other side of it. Business sense. Let's just take geothermal for example. If you drill a a typical 
horizontal. So a typical oil well today, that well will pay back, give a return on investment, sometimes anywhere from a bad well being 25% return on investment, a good well, 200% return on investment. And that is within two years. At that point, after two years, you're trying to sell that well to somebody else who can still make money, but then it's a different business model and a different return on investment. So you're getting 25 to 200% return on investment in two years. For a typical geothermal well, you're looking at five to seven years and a return on investment in that 10% to 50% range. With the today's current technology. With today's current technology. So when you're talking about business models, this is like going from going from trading stocks and having something that basically has always won. Like, yeah, you pick a few bad ones, but you've always been positive. Otherwise, you've already gone out of business. So it's like picking stocks and really good stocks versus shifting over to bonds and doing those bonds, getting your 2%, like, okay, you're pretty good, but you're not really making that much money. What I hear you saying is it is just more rewarding to do straight oil and gas. Well, it, it, it is, and it's also really hard to conceptually make that switch. But then to your point about society asking for it, there are still a, there's a, still a large enough group in society who is saying, it's not impacting me, but what is impacting me is you not making me more money. So there's, there isn't the large push from the general populace and from the shareholders. That's really where it matters is the shareholders in these larger oil and gas companies. They're not the ones saying, hey, we need you guys to start doing better. They still want more more oil at cheaper prices and meaning more profit for them. So it's it's a very, very complex issue. Right. And I think that ultimately the winners, there'll be two different groups of winners. There will be the diversified energy company that is doing EVs and geothermal and maybe primarily carbon sequestration, but maybe part of that is also getting some oil and gas on top of all of that. And then there's the companies who are doing pure oil and gas mixed with carbon sequestration. So they know we are here to produce oil, and most of that oil is ultimately going into synthetic products. Your your fleece blankets, your... Wait, 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 wait. Fleece bl- is not made from actual fleece? No, most... Well, are they there's, a, like micro-fleece? Micro, yeah, microfibers. So not sheeps? Not sheeps. I guess that's a dumb question, because I'm looking at two, They're, I guess quote-unquote fleece blankets that are obviously Pretty much not real. everything on that side... Is made from petroleum? There's a lot of petroleum where you're sitting. That's depressing. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it well, over and, here, too. And I think this now... Whole, this whole car that Jake drives is 
all petroleum, right. <laughs> except um, for the plastic. battery. <laughs> now, and I think like, here we say this, and then we can stop talking about it if you want. Um, I do appreciate things in modern society. I agree because we are, we have moved really towards a globalization. I don't know. Uh, society. Globalized society. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we could not survive without airplanes mm-hmm. and airplanes. Not only I'm sure have plastic on board, but jet fuel is from petroleum as well. And so obviously we cannot completely shut down planes because the alternative would be cruise ships, which also I believe run on, they run on diesel. Right. (laughs) Like like I, I can conceptualize and nor am I asking for us to go back to the bronze age. I'm just saying like, come on y'all. We have very creative people. We have so much, I mean, just in the past, like, 15 years, I mean, heck, you could even say 10 or 5 years, technology has exploded, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the world that we live in today looks completely different than the world that was, like, 1995. Yeah. And so, I just think that, you know, we, we're, we're pretty smart. I feel like we could figure something out. Yes. Joe's laughing Sorry, at me. I'm laughing because you said, even in the past 5 years, but 1995 was... 27 years ago. No, I said like 20 years ago. I've never mind. Like I was... 20 years ago, 10 years, <laughs> even five years ago. Like we've made so many advances. No, it's true. So like the world today versus 1995. Like, yeah, but that that's that first example. Right. I don't know. I, I again, I, I'm cynical in a lot of things, but, te- but I, technology is important. Like, hear yep. me say this. I'm not saying to not, technology is bad. Technology are tools. And tools can be used for either mm-hmm. good things or bad things. Social media is a great example. I don't know how, I, especially as an extrovert, how I would have survived the past two years of COVID without, without social it. media. However, yeah. social media has terrible effects on mental health. And yep. so, you know, it's like we have to be, we have to be willing to Smart. say, hey, this isn't working. Like we need yep. to do something different or we need to change something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's... That is completely my my viewpoint as well. We do need to be open, honest, having those conversations, having those hard conversations, and finding the the path forward that is best for all of society. Right, like use a wooden toothbrush, like you yeah, know, no like little deal. things like that. Like we don't have to make toothbrushes out of plastic. Yeah, we don't have or to. Or bamboo. We can make it out of bamboo. So yeah. much stuff. Like, you make it out. We have so much bamboo. It grows so fast. So much. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like little things. Like, hey, it's... It's funny. It's it's such a... Bamboo's like that thing that's a problem. Like, you find it right. in the middle of East Texas. And right. you're like, this bamboo's not native. Why don't we use it for something useful as opposed to complaining about it? See? That is a... Smart people figured that out. Look at that. Yeah. So, I, I think we're... We are on the same page. Obviously. I think it requires the world is not on the same more page. people to hear this. And as much as I agree with the the all of the above statement where we need all of the different energy types, I want to remind everybody geothermal is the real winner <laughs> and the real one that needs to be implemented. Without geothermal, everything's gonna fail. But we do need everything. Right. But I, especially geothermal. I do want to say before we end, um, 
uh, one, this is the first time I've seen you speak, which was one sad that this is the first time I've seen you speak. <laughs> um, I was not allowed in the room when you did your dissertation. Uh, but secondly, this is the first time that Jake got to hear you speak. <laughs> and it was such a joy, one, to watch you because you did great. But two, just to sit next to Jake, because and he got, I guess he was in his stroller, <laughs> so he couldn't see behind people's heads. But every so often you would, because you were walking back and forth on the stage, every so often you would like peek out from behind somebody's head and he'd be like, oh, mommy, that's daddy, which is funny. To me. He did it multiple times where I guess he just forgot you were the one talking. I was confused about that. Uh, but then if anyone ever came near us, he'd be like, that's my dad. And it was so, so sweet. He was so excited to see you speak. So that was so fun. Uh, but anyway, Earth Day. Go next year, that's guys. Good. It's free. Yeah. And then we got so much free stuff. And hopefully I'll be speaking again next year. So thank you to everybody who made it to Earth yeah. Day. Yeah. Those of you that also listen to the podcast, and thank you to everybody who... My mom, Carlos, Robert. Thanks, and, guys. And um, Genevieve and Perry. And Genevieve and Perry. And they Leslie. Made it, and they they were all into it. It was so 100%. much fun. 100%. So much fun. Um, and you know, one group that I'm surprised didn't make it was Tandy Hills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Tandy Hills, the is the sponsor, not sponsor of this show. So Tandy Hills, I actually got a hat from, from the Motley's for my birthday. So thank you, Mr. Tom and Mrs. Rebecca. It's a beautiful hat. And the cool part about Tandy Hills, this is a small, small nature preserve just outside of Fort Worth. If anybody has ever like gone to go see Blue Bonnets or anything that's like kind of nearby or like gone to Cedar Hill State Park, Tandy Hills is very similar, except it's a, if I, if I remember correctly from, from my numerous times being there and, and all of the fun stuff that Tom and Becky have told us about it, it is a, it's an old growth forest and part of, and is, is a, still part of the original natural blackland prairie. Wow. So it is this this beautiful little gem in the middle of the Metroplex. And if you ever wanted to just like try to think what it would be like without petroleum, if you wanted to like take yourself back to the frontier days, you could just like go to Tandy Hills, like walk aways try to get nestled into it's 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 something like a hundred or two hundred acres just just go and try and nestle yourself right into the middle of it and just like close your ears because you're actually pretty close to the highway and i think you can you can kind of still hear the highway but just like cover your ears and just like think okay what if this was it what if this is where i was and there were no cars and no people And like what, what to do and everybody should go out there and check it out. It's, it's a beautiful place and give them some money. Why not? Right. Why not? Yeah. Why not do a crazy dance? (laughs) That's copyright. Copyright. Sorry. (laughs) I I can't say why not do a crazy dance. Don't say it in the same rhythm and tune. Why not go take a crazy hike? There you go. Yeah. Boom. Boom. All right. Well, we've been talking far too long, so I think we are going to end it. We didn't even talk about how terrible I feel from my allergies. I know. But 
Hey, allergies we are don't from have nature, time. and nature is awesome. Yeah. So hey, we're joyous. Thanks for reminding me about how great nature is. <laughs> Thank you for all of that pollen being out there, trying to keep life going. Hey, save the bees. You're crushing my nose, but you're making those bees happy. Keep it up, pollen. Keep it up. Goodbye. Okay, <laughs> bye bye.